the most important thing to me is the musical combination mm. and for the headliner to feel like the the music of the opener is something that they want their fans to hear i want the fans who are buying these tickets to feel like they've gotten value out of the money they spend and the time they spend to show up i feel like the best opening slots are ones where the the headliner is really involved and is really passionate about the opener really likes the music like you'll go to shows and you'll see like the headline the singer or something will come out during the open art artist set and sing with them or say like we really love yeah. this act really hope you pay attention and then sometimes that band will go and like sing a song with them in the headliner yeah. set like those are the best and where it makes the biggest impact on the opener's career so it is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business i'm your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business the book third edition coming very, very soon. You can pre-order it now. Go check it out. Today, my guest is veteran booking agent Tom Windish. He is a superstar in the agency world. Everybody knows him. Uh, he once ran the Windish agency with some 80 staff members and a thousand artists. Then he went to uh, Paradigm and joined Paradigm. And now he's with Wasserman. But You'll know him as Billie Eilish, Lord, the XX agent, booking agent. Uh, and he works with tons of other artists as well that we talk about on the show. He has booked everything from small clubs to giant arenas and stadiums and festivals and everything in between. Today, what we talk about actually is is more about um, artist development. And we get on uh, opening tours and uh, booking, you know, club level tours and how those deals work and who gets paid and how they get paid, how booking agents work. If, if you need a quick one-on-one on how uh, booking agencies operate and and how booking agents work and and just like what the roles are of an of an agent or a manager a record label all of that well start here you don't have to be embarrassed anymore uh, <laughs> asking these types of questions we break them down I ask them for you don't worry um, but Tom was was very generous with his um, all of his time and, and wisdom and answers really we went in discussing a, a lot of different topics and uh, definitely. Don't miss the section on opening tours and specifically tour buy-ons. That that was a, a very fun part of the conversation for me, at least. And uh, and then later on, he's also a, a manager. Uh, he manages an incredible artist who is one of my favorite artists of the moment, Danielle Ponder, uh, who's also an Ari's Take Academy student, just an incredible talent. And we talk about how he operates as a manager. And then he also runs an indie record label. And we talk about what it takes to release records and and his experience, you know, the difference between running a, a record label uh, being a manager and and most notably as a booking agent how everybody kind of knows him so this is a great interview uh really enjoyed this one i think you're gonna dig it too please pause this right now and uh hit the follow button hit the subscribe hit the like button however you're listening to this right now uh if you want us to appear in your feed hit that follow button. Give us a five-star review on Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Those really help. Visit Ari'sTake.com. Get on that email list. That's where you're going to get the most up-to-date information of everything new music business oriented and uh, we send out new episodes and all of that stuff there. You can find all of us that make the show happen at Ari's Take on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. You can find me at Ari Herstand on Instagram. All right, let's kick into the show. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Yes. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> so uh, you're a, you're a, a I, I'm safe to say a legendary uh, booking agent at this uh, stage of the game. I know that you started as totally scrappy DIY uh, Mr. Hustle Indie 
all of that. But um, I want to I want to start at present day, and I want to I want to talk about we're at the end of 2022 right now. Um, and I know you wear a lot of hats, and we're gonna we're gonna uncover all those hats throughout the hour. Um, but first off, the the hat that most people know you for as the booking agent. Um, I want to hear from your perspective, what is the state of the live touring industry? Here we are, end of 2022. How's it going? How is, are we doing as an industry? Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting year. Um, I, and I think how we're doing depends on who, who you are, um, okay. for the biggest artists, um, I think it's been a, an amazing year. Um, mm. I think for medium-sized and smaller artists, it's been hard. Um, I think there's a, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons that that contribute to that. Um, there's a lot of things that are com- competing for everyone's attention these days. Mm. Um, in the pandemic, um, a lot of people's habits changed. Uh, and people realize they like some things um, that they didn't know they liked before, or they like certain things more than others. Um, mm. And I feel like you know people's attention got taken away from maybe listening to music uh, or going to see bands, especially. Mm. Um, maybe maybe some people spent more time listening to music because they were at home and had you know nothing else to do or whatever. Um, but going out to shows. Um, you know, people found ways to spend that time doing other things. Mm. Um, and then when everything came back, um, and live, live shows were allowed again, um, everybody went on tour, uh, or, (laughs) you know, if not everybody, a a lot of, a lot more people than usual went on tour. Um, so every artist is competing against every other artist who's out there performing. But they're yeah. also competing against all these other things that people do with their time, like watch a movie at home on their, you know, 10 different streaming services. <laughs> right. Um, or, you know, just go to all the other things that they, they could do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's been really challenging. I found, uh, you know, I mean, like one of the things I love the most is finding a new artist who sounds amazing and, and helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the old days, meaning pre-COVID, um, <laughs> a lot of them would like develop relatively quickly. You know, mm-hmm. they they go and play little clubs, and people say, "Oh, that's that band's great." And then more people would would uh, you know the word would spread. More people would go to the shows. They'd get a support tour. They'd get some festivals. Pitchfork and New York Times would write about them. KSUW would play them. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, they're selling two, three, four, five hundred tickets um, in a lot of different cities, and they start touring internationally, and like it all kind of moved like at a pretty good pace. And sure. now I have a bunch of artists that are, are just as interesting and good, and have just as much stuff going on as those artists did back then. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's I, a lot of them. I think are sort of staying, it, finding a lot harder to get the same type of gains from uh, the audience size. Mm. Um, so maybe it used to go up like this mm-hmm. and now it's going up like this. And I think it's because of competition mm. for, for uh, people's attention. Um, mm. And it, I mean, it it's makes, really hard. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, the poll star numbers would have you, uh, believe that as an entire industry, everything is doing well. I'm glad you made that distinction between the top tours are doing just fine, but those mid, you know, the emerging artists. So what is your recommendation to those emerging artists who feel like maybe they're ready for the t- tour or or they really want to play shows, but you're seeing that the audience reaction just overall at that level might not be way, able to meet them at the place where they think they're at? Um, I mean, I think my main takeaway is to develop, develop a market or a territory before you start trying to conquer, uh, I don't know, more than you can chew or, Mm. I mean, like I would, I would encourage a band to develop 
let's say they're from the U.S., like yeah. go develop the United States or a region of the United States before you try and also conquer Europe um, yeah. and Australia and Asia. Even though you might have data saying like, well, we have a lot of listeners in London. We have a lot of listeners in Sydney. Mm. Um, um, I mean, often like you find artists have a lot of listeners in certain markets, you know, it right. just so happens a lot of people usually live in those markets, <laughs> LA, New York, <laughs> London, Sydney, Paris, um, Mexico City. Um, and I would I would encourage an artist to like, get to a place where maybe they're breaking even or making a little bit of money in a certain place, maybe a country or a section of a country before they start uh, and investing in another place. Mm. Um, Cause when like an investment is a bunch of different things, it's financial. Um, it's also time and resources and like time and resources you know, and money mm-hmm. is a, uh, it feels like it seems like there's a lot less of it to go around uh, right now. Mm. So use it like very frugally and wisely. Mm. Um, How much do you look at data um, when setting up tours, especially for your more emerging artists? Um, not as much as you'd think. Mm. Um, I mean, I look at it, I guess I, I always look at it. But sure. it's very rare that um, the data tells me that there's a really big fan base fan base in a place that I didn't realize there was a fan base. Um, and it, it's because like the market does a really good job of uh, of sort of showcasing what data showcases. <laughs> um, what do you mean? If there's a lot of fans in Portland, Oregon, there's a really good chance that the person who the people who put on shows in Portland will reach out and say, I want to do a show with this mm. artist. Okay. I'm, I'm hearing about this artist, you know, from the street, you know, from mm. my friends, from my colleagues, from, you know, people that come to the club all the time. Um, we want to see this band. Mm-hmm. Um, people are talking about them. And often data correlates with what people are actually saying to each other, like sure. in person. Yeah. And then they'll reach out. Um, a lot of times, like a lot of people live in those cities too. And, mm-hmm. and those are markets that a lot of artists are going to. Mm. Um, Who... I mean, and another thing is that artists don't want to go on tour forever. Um, yeah. And they, you know, let's say they want the tour to be a month long. It's pretty long these days. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, I could probably name 25 of those cities because they're the biggest cities in the country. And also geographically, like it makes sense to go to those places. Hmm. Um, and it's, it would be rare that the data would sh- say, Oh man, you made a big mistake when you went to Dallas instead of Oklahoma. Cause there was a lot more listeners in Oklahoma. Sure. If, if there were like, Chances are the person in Oklahoma would would have said something, yeah. Which isn't to yeah. say I don't look at it, but I look at it more on an international level. Mm. Um, I think it's easier there to lose to not realize like, like oh, there's a lot of people listening in this place in Asia. You know, mm. we should reach out to the people that put on shows in Asia or in that country and see what they're thinking, you know, or see if they yeah. want to book the band. So you mentioned, uh, you know, someone might reach out to you uh, if something's happening in Portland and they're fans and they want to make a show happen. Um, Can you I want to zoom out a little bit and just for the people listening who might not quite grasp or have an understanding of how uh, booking agents operate. um, Can you just break down the business of booking agents and what you do and how the business works and how you make money and who makes money and how all that works just for people that just have no idea. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I mean, I feel like every day a whole bunch of people reach out to me about things that I have nothing to do with. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like the, the, the email address that they find. Um, sure. so, you know, the main thing that booking agents do is, uh, set up live performances where the artist gets paid to perform really mostly in front of like a uh, the public mm-hmm. um so like we don't book 
television appearances very often that's generally the 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 publicist or mm-hmm. the record company um there might be a handful that like an agent might have a relationship or be involved um mm-hmm. but that's not the main thing the main thing mm-hmm. we do is book them at um a venue where people are paying to get in mm-hmm. um there's there's always exceptions you know like we'll book them in a college maybe you don't have to pay to get in but the artist gets paid to perform sure. for yeah. an audience you know and then sometimes we book them for corporate events private events um it depends on the artist you know we have a few that do a lot of that um but by and large you know they're playing these uh the other places where the public's going to see them like festivals sure. mm. um what else do we do um we're really involved in the marketing of the concert appearances where people are buying tickets okay we're not like the exclusive people that are doing that you know mm-hmm. like we don't really log into the artist's socials and do it for them but we're sure. kind of making sure everyone's talking to each other timing is coordinating coordinated artwork mm-hmm. is coordinating and coordinated and that like the artist is announcing things the venue is announcing things everything's working because mm. um, we're in a position where we're kind of at the center of this the tour sure. um and you know it's part of our responsibility is to make sure it goes right mm-hmm. um something we don't do is like we, we figure out how much the artist is going to get paid to do that show by mm-hmm. the club. And usually there's like a guarantee. And then if a certain number of people go, you can make more money. Mm-hmm. Um, if you play a festival, usually you can't make more money. You just get like a flat amount. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we So we make sure the artist gets that money that the people who make that offer, like honor it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll do some calculations afterwards to make sure everything goes according to what everyone said it was going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But something we don't do is tell the artists how to spend the money that they get paid. So we don't go out and like rent the bus for them, mm-hmm. find the tour manager for them, uh, hire the, the guitar job. player, manager's right. job. Yeah. Sure. Uh, or someone else's. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, Often, I don't really know how much the the artist is making on the tour. Mm. How they spend it, you know, is some you know other people's uh, job. Sure. And uh, you know they can spend it a lot of different ways. They can fly first class. They could fly on a, a budget airline. Sure. So um, let's talk about kind of who you're setting these shows up with. Are they promoters primarily? Um, are they talent buyers at the venues i guess it depends on the level of the tour i suppose and then when you say you're making sure that the artist gets paid how are you making sure they get paid and and is it direct deposits are they getting paid before they play the show is it after it's probably no longer handing them a check at the venue i'd imagine or maybe it is uh it might be like that a little bit i mean usually um yeah we get some of the money up front it depends like Okay. We generally have really long-standing relationships with the people that are paying artists to go perform. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the percentage of shows we do with those kind of people is, but it's a lot, like 80%. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've got strong relationships. So, like, we will collect some of the money um, a bunch of the time. But even if we didn't, like, they're going to pay us. <laughs> um, <laughs> because they do a lot of business with us. And if they don't... Sure you know, it's going to mean they're not going to get to book all these other people. And the way they make money is by putting on shows. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, we don't like advance um, the money that we collect before the show mm. to the artists. Okay. Um, you know, there's some rare circumstances where things are dinner different, but sure. usually they get paid after they, after they play. Gotcha. And they, so the promoter or the the club or whomever uh they send a check now are they always sending the check directly to the agency or do they give it to the artist and then the artist is required to then pay you their your commission or your cut from that if that's how that works part of the reason we get paid up front is uh so that we get the money that the artist owes us 
um, so that they don't have to pay us at the end of the tour. Um, you know, I mean, just like our relationships with people who put on shows, we work with our artists for a long period of time too. So, you know, if they do end up owing us money after the tour, maybe it went really, really well, uh, Mm -hmm. and we collected less than we anticipate they're going to make or something, or I don't know, a certain check didn't come in or something, Mm -hmm. the artist will pay us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, usually some of the money comes to the agency, um, not a hundred percent of all the money, uh, a much smaller percentage than that. And then the rest is paid to the artist and it could mm-hmm. be through a wire. It could be through cash or check. Sure. It depends. Uh, as things get bigger and bigger, it becomes more and more official and less, there's less and less like checks or cash flying around and it's more and more wire transfer. And uh, just to be clear, um, you only get paid when the artist gets paid, right? A booking agent's model uh, is a commission of what they make. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which agents dip- generally get paid 15% of what the artist gets paid at the show, meaning like the gross fee that they get. Mm, gotcha. Um, so if they get paid $10,000, we get $1,000. If they mm-hmm. spend... Eight, eight of that $10,000 to get there, to stay in a fancy hotel, to, you know, all, all whatever you can spend money on. We don't collect 10% of 2000 We get 10% of $10,000. Uh, to clear, you make 10% or 15%, you said? 10. 10%. 10. And that's of the yeah. gross. Okay, and that for, eight, yeah. for the larger agencies and mm-hmm. most of the more established, smaller agencies, 10% is the industry standard. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so I want to talk about um, opening tours and opening slots for a minute. Um, you know, how does that operation work in terms of, uh, let's say there's a, a, a tour that's completely set up for the headliner. They're playing maybe, let's say, mid-level clubs, uh, 1500 cap room, something like that. Um, and for i guess on your end when if you've set the tour up how do you find appropriate openers and then on the other side if there are acts out there that want to open these tours what are the good expectations for them and how should they approach it um often the the artist headlining has a point of view about who they would like to open (laughs) they're fans of a bunch of different bands they follow them on social media. They may have worked on music, played shows with them before, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. They're friends, and they want them to go on tour. Very often, that's what happens. Okay. Um, sometimes they don't have an idea, or the ideas they have aren't going to work out for whatever reason. And in that case, we'll go and ask every agent in the business for ideas, um, and then we'll present a list of like we call them submissions mm-hmm. to the management presents them to the artist. Um, we usually give them some information about each of the submissions, you know, like when they're releasing music, um, maybe a little bit of tour history, um, that type of thing, uh, a link to listen to music, uh, maybe like some information about socials or Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and we send that over and, they make a decision or they ask some questions and we start, we get into conversations with the people who submitted those, those artists. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes an artist, like maybe they want to play that room that fits 1500 people, but they can only sell a thousand tickets and then they're looking for an artist who's going to sell 500 tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit different. Um, so then we'll go out to all the other agents in the business and ask for, you know, more specific things. We're looking for someone who can sell, about 500 tickets or maybe it's not exactly that but you know between mm-hmm. whatever between two and 500 tickets and mm-hmm. the amount of money that we'll pay them varies um mm-hmm. yeah the budget for openers is kind of all over the place too it depends a lot of it depends on how much that artist is worth like how much they've been paid to play those cities before how many tickets they can sell on their own mm-hmm. um yeah, it's not always based on that, but that's a big factor. Well, so give me an example of uh, maybe let's say you you have a mid-level 1500 cap style level uh, tour 
and headliners are doing just fine. Uh, you know, they're going to sell out the whole tour with without needing any any help. Um, what could an opener expect uh, to open that tour, and how does that work? Uh, is the headliner providing? Uh, are they paying them? Are their expenses covered? Are they hopping in the bus? Is there food, lodging? Like, how how does all that work? So I'd say uh, paying 250, $250 to five hundred dollars a show okay. would be pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's more. Um, I think that would be pretty generous if it was an artist that didn't have a history of selling tickets anywhere. Sure. Sometimes the, the number fluctuates depending on the size of the market because you know artists get paid different amounts in a larger market than a smaller one. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, cause more people buy tickets, um, people pay more for a ticket and a big, you know, whatever it is. Sure. Um, and you know, in terms of like what else is supplied to the opener, it depends. Um, there are cases where there's space on the bus or the artist will carry some of the equipment for them so that they can travel in a smaller vehicle, mm. carry some of the merch for them. Um, Sometimes they'll let them use their front of house sound person or um, whatever the case. It, I, they don't really provide hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, like it's more often than not, like it's the artist's responsibility to show up at the venue at a certain time with all your mm-hmm. stuff, get on stage, sound check, play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just all on you to figure out how you're going to do it with the budget that is uh supplied there's always like an exception and with that there's a lot of exceptions but most of the time that's how it works so um what is your opinion of tour buy-ons where uh the headliner is requiring their openers to actually the money flowing the other way where <laughs> the openers right. are they're asking for the openers to pay them for the opportunity to open their tour. I've been doing this for around 28 years and I've never done that. I've heard about it. Yeah. Um, haven't God really bless you, Tom to Windish. It happening. <laughs> it, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I, yeah. I'd say probably most of my peers don't really operate mm. with that either. Um, yeah. Like I've never, I've never had a band like get offered to go on a tour where they had to pay to be on it. I've had mm. people offer to pay our, some of my clients to be on the tour. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's kind of a red flag, a big red flag in, in my book. Um, mm-hmm. The most, I mean, the most important thing to me is the musical combination mm. and for the headliner to feel like the, the music of the opener is, something that they want their fans to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I want the fans who are buying these tickets to feel like they've gotten value out of the money they spend and the time they spend to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) um, I feel like the best opening slots are ones, you know, where the the headliner is really involved and is really passionate about the opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, really likes the music you know like you'll go to shows and you'll see like the headline the singer or something will come out during the open art artist set and sing with them or say like we really love yeah. this act really hope you pay attention and then sometimes that band will go and like sing a song with them in the headliner yeah. set like those are the best and where it makes the biggest impact on the opener's career mm-hmm I'm glad you said that it's a red flag, and I'm and I hope that everybody listening to this right now uh, heeds that advice because, you know, we hear um, I, we've heard the horror stories like years a few years back. It came out that that Mo- there's, this is well documented that Motley Crue uh, charged their openers uh, like a million dollars to open their tour, and then their uh, stagehands would come out during their sets and and shoot them with super soakers full of urine and they were like forced to open and like play <laughs> before the doors opened and shit and it's just like you know no respect whatsoever um and I've I've also heard of tour buy-ins where the headliners just couldn't draw and weren't selling tickets even though maybe their Spotify numbers were doing really well and so to kind of help break even they charge their openers a lot of money 
for that where for the openers they would play by the time they were playing there's five people in the room and so it's just like not a good deal all around um you know so I, i appreciate that that is your perspective and that's where you stand and that's how you operate because uh frankly i think it's it's flat out unethical to uh charge your openers to open for you and if you can't figure out how to make money by selling tickets and running a music career then maybe you should be in a different line of work um and so yeah that's that's nice to hear <laughs> on your end as well i mean i cool. do think like my peers you know and there's yeah there's probably a few hundred agents in this country that i would consider my peers yeah they all kind of operate like with the same standard uh, mm-hmm. the buy-on thing i think is very unusual mm-hmm. um for the types of acts that i'm working with yeah that's great when you're looking um or i guess what does it take for you to kind of start working with a new act and maybe you can kind of give us some examples of artists that you started working with i mean most famously uh billy eilish of course you know you started with her very early on in her career i believe i heard somewhere read somewhere that you signed her before she'd even played a single show is that right Quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space, and let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo with the founder, and yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative, and they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less than legit pub admin services. Well, two loss is partnered with BMG. You know, it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, this is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for a hundred grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and you get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used And it will just show you a chart of everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange. And they have a fraud prevention tool. And they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue. Uh, They have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out Two Lost. You can just go to twolost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I started working with her young. I mean, the, <laughs> I need to love the music. Okay. Um, and you know, I meet I meet the artists and the people that work with them um, when we start talking about working together and. I mean, I want them, I want to get along with them too and yeah. have like, you know, I mean, I'm curious like where they see their career going. Sometimes it's, it's hard to say, you know, mm. if you're young or just at the, or at the beginning of your career, like, um, you don't just sit there and say, I want to play stadiums. Um, that'd be kind of unusual before you'd play the show. Um, yeah. sometimes you might say that. Um, and I wouldn't really balk if someone did say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I need to love the music. Mm. Um, and I mean, I work with a bunch of artists that, you know, don't sell 1500 tickets a night, but I love their music. And, uh, mm. 
I'm very proud to work with them. Um, and, you know, I listen to their music in my spare time. Um, yeah. I listen to all my clients' music in my spare time. Um, <laughs> that's, that's nice to hear. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love all the, the artists I work with. Um, they're, I feel like my wife has asked me this other, the other day, like if I'd ever booked anyone because because of the money and not because of the music. And mm. and uh, there was, I, I can't remember which band it was, but a long time ago, I did that um, one, like once, one or two times. And I sort of convinced myself that wasn't the case, that I loved the music. <laughs> but I could tell when I made like my first phone call that my heart um, and passion uh, was not in it the same way it was for everybody else. You know, it's mm-hmm. very easy for me to do my job. I call up people <laughs> who put on shows and I tell them, you know, you should book this artist. They're amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not making it up. <laughs> like I believe they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I want them to listen to them and I hope they enjoy them. And if they don't, it's fine. I, I don't take it personally. Sure. Um, I've been told no, you know, way more times than I've been told yes in my, in my career. It just kind of comes with the territory. It's fine. But mm. yeah, I, I love the artists I work with. Mm. Some, maybe to a fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I sometimes I mean, but... take on artists that are very, very early in their career because I just think they're fantastic. And um, it takes more than just a, a passionate booking agent or even a connected booking agent to become successful. Um, mm. Even if I got a band, a bunch of tours. Yeah. Um, if they didn't have other key members of the team, um, like it, it's hard to connect all the dots. It's an incredibly complex business with with a, a very unclear roadmap of how to develop. <laughs> um, yeah, there aren't many books that tell you how to do it. You know, I can. Um, I know one. I'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. um, you no, know, that that makes sense. Um, so, but but when it comes to working with new artists, it's great to hear that. I mean, you have to love the music, but I'm assuming there's other factors that typically go into that because at the end of the day, it is a business too. And if they're not making much money, I mean, I, I guess you're you have the luxury of having enough artists that are paying the bills where you could probably take more risks on emerging artists that maybe it takes a little bit more time before you start earning from them. Uh, versus some other agents, which, you know, need every dollar to kind of keep the lights on. Um, what does it come, I guess, in when it comes to you, when when do artists typically come to you where you're considering them and who and how are they coming to you? Um, I mean, I, I, I have artists email me every day, okay. a, a bunch of artists. Yeah. Um, or not just artists, but, you know, people from labels, lawyers, managers, publicists, um, agents in other parts of the world, promoters. Yeah. Um, And, you know, the artists are at all different stages of their career. Um, It's really nice when there's a label involved uh, or people to help release the music that have a track record of releasing music and being successful at that. Mm -hmm. It's nice when they have publicists on board, radio promote you know uh, mm-hmm. the, the more established the team the better chances of success you know mm-hmm. um but it's i mean i i still take things on relatively early when a lot of those pieces are not in place um sometimes i help get them in place mm-hmm. um i do feel like there's been we're in the midst of kind of a, a seismic shift in the music business where people <sighs> There's more artists than ever. You know, we read all the time about how more and more tracks are being uploaded every day. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of people that provided a lot of different services in the music business are less willing to take things on until it has a certain amount of momentum, you know, either on its own or with other people doing the work. Right. Um, I mean, I, I hear about labels that are like, well, we don't want to talk to you until you have whatever, you know, a million Instagram followers or this amount of engagement or right. so it can sell this many tickets or. Um, and and then I feel that, too, you know, because mm. I, I think it takes longer for an artist to develop. Yeah. Um, and if they can't get to a certain place on their own, um, 
maybe it's a sign that they're not going to get to the next level or several levels higher. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm quite a bit more flexible with that type with those types of things, and I take okay. things on sometimes very early. Yeah, um, but you know, in my position, I need to be careful of having too many artists that can't sell tickets. Yeah, yeah, uh, or can't sell many tickets because you know it's it's always on me to like get another support tour, get another festival. And then I need to go out to people who are headlining and who book festivals and say, book this artist that can't really sell tickets. Uh, And then they'll go do those things and they still can't sell tickets. So I need to go do it again, you know? And if it, and it's hard, I can't always just deliver either. You know, I mean, I have acts that I submit them for a lot of tours and they don't get any of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at a certain point, the artist is looking at me saying, what are you doing? You know, like, isn't your job to get me on tours and festivals? And and I'm like, isn't your job to have people listen to your music and you know want to buy a ticket? Um, um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm more flexible than than a lot of people that do what I do. So let's talk artist development a little bit. Um, you know, you are now uh, a manager. You also uh, kind of run an, an indie label. Um, and uh, you're co-managing this artist uh, with Chris Doritas, who a previous guest on the show as well, uh, Danielle Ponder. And uh, I had the uh, good fortune of catching her at school night. Uh, one of the best shows of the year, in my opinion. I mean, she's a powerhouse performer. I- I'm curious, um, you know, and it was actually fun. Uh, Chris calls me one day um, out of the blue. Um, he does that sometimes. It's interesting. He's called me a few Mm -hmm. times, just randomly out of the blue. It's it's always a nice, it's always a nice call. He called me one day and he's like, Hey, Ari, I'm with this artist. I just started, uh, Danielle Ponder. And, um, you know, she's a big fan of, she's a student of yours. She's in your courses and she's read your book. And, uh, just want to say like, Hey, you know, we're, we're working on this stuff together and, and she's right here. And she, he hands the phone over to her and we start talking. I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. And I actually didn't, I wasn't familiar, uh, very much with, uh, her music and I hadn't seen her live or anything. And then just, I mean, it seems like she kind of came out of nowhere, incredible, powerful talent, um, not, you know, I, I guess we could say the opposite of like a Billie Eilish who started when she was 13. I mean, she's, um, I guess she's older now. I mean, she, I know she's had a full career as a, I know, corrections officer and, and all of that stuff. T- talk to me about kind of how you and Chris and, and that whole development of Danielle Ponder and, and just like now she's on all the TV shows and playing festivals and headlining rooms and is incredible and has absolutely exploded over the last year. But I'm curious how that all happened. Um, so I mean, it, it all began because uh, I've, I've done a lot of shows with Chris and school night over the years. Um, sure. booked a lot of artists there for a really long time. And at the beginning of the pandemic, um, I kind of have this like business development role um, which just means I talk to a lot of people that are building things that, that they think will be helpful to artists. And a lot mm-hmm. of times they're like, talk to Tom. He loves he loves hearing about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I've invested in things like that and have helped things like that and listened to a lot of different things. So in the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of live stream talk. Um, yeah. And I probably listened to 50 people with different live stream platforms. Um, and I started calling up Chris um and saying you know what's going on with school night you guys you know you don't have any shows um i'm talking on these live stream platforms i think this could be really helpful mm-hmm. for you you could start doing shows again and there's probably people out there that would pay you to put things on on their platform and i probably called him about it like five or six times um and then eventually i helped him do a deal help them do a deal with twitch twitch um so i was talking to him a lot um, then they started booking shows, you know, uh, what was it like virtually or, um, you know, like online showcases and then yeah. in person and, and because we were talking more often, um, we were talking to each other about new bands we were hearing too. That's, that's kind of the thing that I think both of us enjoy a lot, uh, mm-hmm. finding great new artists. And he had found Danielle, she was singing on another band's track. Hmm. And he thought, you know, that track is, you know, pretty good, but that that singer 
is amazing. What's her deal? He reached out to her um, and eventually got in touch with her. And then he called me up later that night or, or sent me sent me a song. What do you think? And I was like, this is amazing. Mm. And he said, would you want a manager with me? Um, and at that time, I had a lot of extra time because I wasn't booking <laughs> concerts. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I got the story. I got on the phone with her. Um, and I was like, this is this is great. I would love to help. And we decided to manage her together. Mm. And that was about about a year and a half, almost two years ago. Mm. Um, we eventually signed um, a short record deal with Future Classic. Um, Wasserman, the agency I work with, books her, but I'm not her agent. Oh, wow. Um, she got a great publicist. Um, she's got a, an amazing team. And we're out there, you know, doing everything you're supposed to do when you're trying to become successful musician and yeah. it's it's going really well um but it's uh it's going really really well when people hear her and see her they regularly say you know she's amazing i love her you know i see mm -hmm. people cry at every show i go to people who've never heard her before um she's really powerful um and what i one of the things i've learned uh is you just got to keep doing it Mm. um she asked me a few months ago you know what's the plan for next year and i said we're going to do more of what we've done this year <laughs> tour <laughs> put out songs mm -hmm. do press radio do everything um yep. and eventually things are gonna you know stick in a different way um but everything's going great mm -hmm. you know, we're like a snowball right now that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger but she's kind of like I don't know if she'll reach a point where she like blows up overnight or if it'll just be like a steady growth. It, it will probably be a little bit of both. You know? Sure. Um, but if she does blow up overnight or like reach a new level, like she's going to have to keep doing, you know, what she's doing now, putting out more good songs, doing more great tours. Yeah. Um, and that's what she's doing. And it's going great. It's really, it's really awesome. Yeah. She's that's awesome. <clears throat> She was a or, public defender, not a corrections officer. Ah, excuse me. Public yeah, defender. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and she was doing that when uh, when she kind of you started working with her. She was working her day. Yeah. Job. So um, she'd been. She 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 grew up with um, six brothers and sisters. Her father was a pastor and she sang in his church uh -huh. and everybody said, you were put on this earth to be a singer and that was what she uh, planned to do and when she was in high school her brother was sentenced to 20 years in prison and she decided to become a public defender wow and and she then shifted gears went to you know went to school for that did that um did that for about 10 or so years hmm. um but that whole time she was recording music herself putting out records herself, booking tours um, herself with her, uh, with a woman she collaborates with. Um, and they had gone, you know, around the US, around Europe. Um, and right before the pandemic, she quit her job. And she had decided like, this is what I, I, I want to sing. This is what I wanted. This is where I'm happiest on stage. Um, and then the pandemic happened. Hmm. So she went, got her job back. Huh. Um, and then Chris found her. Wow. Wow. Chris called her up. <laughs> it's a it's pretty great, of, it's a pretty cool story. It is. That's incredible. And, it, you know, it's a testament to kind of uh, taking that leap and and knowing when it's your time and knowing just kind of that leap of faith. And, and it's essentially like manifesting. She knew like, well, this is the time for me. This is when I need to. And, and uh, obviously, you can't control the pandemic and, and you can't control those things out of that. But she knew that this is it. And when she kind of quit that job, that's when the universe decided to take over. It's like, all right, this is now going to, to start happening for you because you decided that this is, you're ready to make it happen. And that, that's, that's really cool. That's really inspiring. And the, I mean, the reason I decided to do something I've never done and manage an artist uh, yeah. is that I, I fully believe in her. And, and I, I, <laughs> I do think she was put on this earth to sing. 
Yeah. Uh, and and when she's on that stage, she makes me very happy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I really believe in her ability to make everyone very happy. Uh, it's She's extremely powerful. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been really cool. It's been really cool. And we're just getting going. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And it's uh, been really exciting to watch. Uh, I mean, from a distance, just as kind of seeing her trajectory grow, but more so being at the show, which, you know, even in that that uh, electric but small room of school night at, at uh, Bardot, um, it was you, you get it. I mean, it was it was so powerful and, and so inspiring and uplifting. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, she, yeah, she's incredible. And that's that's great. So um but you also started a, a, a record label, um, Wilder Records. Um, talk about that. Why did you do it? What's the experience been like that? I, it's a wildly different skill set and different avenue of the industry than than uh, booking. So I'm curious about that. Um, <laughs> I, I started a label with Future Classic. Um, okay probably six months before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and I had a lot more time to spend on it. Um, And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to do that and to manage was that I wanted to learn about other sides of the music business that I had never had time to explore um, or like actually do. And, you know, honestly, like, even though I've done this agent thing for like my whole adult life, um, those areas were kind of like, uh, like behind a curtain or something, you know, I didn't really know what it meant to put out a record. I didn't really know what it meant to manage. Sure. Not that I do now. Um, <laughs> but I know more. And, uh, honestly, I mean, I wish I had done it 20 years ago. I think it would have made me a much, much better agent at a much younger age and build a better agency that yeah. better served, um, you know, other people in the business. Mm. Um, I mean, I think it's incredibly difficult to develop an artist these days. Um, You know, you're dealing with a really small group of people that are on this team that are, you know, their task is to develop the artist. Um, But it's not as coordinated as as it should be. Hmm. Um, Often the agents like over here doing this thing and they talk to the label once in a while managers kind of in the middle trying to keep everything together um when the reality is like we there's a handful of people here or you know in a really big case like a dozen or or maybe 20 or something uh and we're all like trying to accomplish the same thing yeah um and we should all be talking more (laughs) together about how we can do that you know yeah what do i need that would help you know what do you need Mm. um and often, like those those things are not communicated um, until much later, you know, till the night sure. of the show. You know, can I get this person on the list or something? And I, right. I could have taken that. I could have. You could have gotten thirty people on the list if you had asked me six months ago. No problem. You know. Um, now yeah. we've sold all the tickets or whatever. You know. Right. Um. Um. But yeah, I I I did it mostly to learn about what it was like to put out records. Um, and also, um, for a a long period of my career, I would, the way I would hear about new artists was by calling up labels and managers and, and everyone else in the business and saying, what are you hearing about? Yeah. Um, cause I want to book them. Yeah. And I really didn't go to those people with, uh, like things to bring them, you know, opportunities for them. And at a certain Mm. point I thought to myself, some of these people must think I'm, kind of a jerk for asking them what, you know, what they're hearing. Um, but I never bring anything to them. So then I like very intentionally would go to people and say, like, I found a band that I think you should put out their record or you should manage. And, you know, I'd love to book it if you're, you know, if we, if you get involved. Um, and that worked out really well for some bands. Um, but I also realized like most of the time they don't put it out. They don't, you know, they don't, release the record they don't um um, manage it and and i decided like instead of just telling people about it in some of these cases i'm going to put my money where my mouth is and i'm going to do it myself um so that's what i did Hmm. um and really 
I mean, it wasn't like I thought I was going to be incredibly successful. I really didn't think about that at all. Um, yeah. I just found artists that I thought were great. Um, but I do find it incredibly challenging. Um, I had I had some records go really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. I had others that I did this, pretty much the same things for that didn't go well at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know the difference. You know, <laughs> why did that work and that didn't? Like, I like right. each of these songs the same amount yeah um hmm. and uh i find like i guess the way my brain operates like i find that really challenging mm. like i can't i have no structure to like what makes a successful record sure um anyway it's been really it's been fun and i i i think i'll put out some more records um cool. at some point right now i don't have any plans to I've been really busy booking this year and then <laughs> sure. yeah no that makes sense uh when it comes to well i'm curious uh what have you seen the similarities um and differences between when it comes to marketing and promotion uh when you have your label hat on versus your manager hat on versus your agent hat on i mean you're you're not talking to totally different people but i mean agents talk to very different people than and labels uh and manager kind of has to do everything okay um yeah i mean i've learned like i have so much respect for managers i i feel like it's one of the hardest jobs in the world i feel like running a restaurant is one of the hardest jobs in the world but i think it's easier than managing an artist yeah uh, at least when you <laughs> when you uh run a restaurant you own it yeah. <laughs> you know you own the right. brand yeah the brand can't fire you <laughs> yeah landlord can raise the rent but uh you know right your boss can't fire you yeah um and the manager's got to do everything they get you know you just don't know what's <laughs> what's going to come up on a daily yeah. basis that could they could throw you off the tracks yeah um and man i mean it's just it things have shifted so much to the manager in the last decade or so mm-hmm. and it used to be like the record company did a ton of stuff and the manager had to make sure the artists like kind of fulfilled the obligations and, you know, promoted the record and showed up and and everything. And man, now the manager's got to do everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. And I, and uh, I think every manager that's listening right now is nodding their head in agreement and and so appreciative that, that uh, you just acknowledged how, how challenging uh, their, their jobs are. Yeah, I'm not I'm not knocking, you know, everyone else. I mean, right. It's it's difficult to develop artists no matter what hat hat you're wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wish it, I, I wish it was easier. No, that's great. Um, well, Tom, this has been incredible. Uh, I so appreciate you taking the time and uh, you've dropped so many uh, gems. And, and I know that everybody listening is, is so appreciative of everything um, that you've said. I, I have uh, one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. And that is, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Um, it's a good question. Um and that I think that answer has changed as I've gotten older. Yeah. Um, you know, right now I want to work with artists that I really believe in and I want to help them realize their dreams or what I think they're put on this earth to do. Hmm. Um, whether they're selling out stadiums or arenas or selling 500 tickets a night or 200 tickets a night. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I work with, uh, I work with a band called low that I've, I've booked for the last 28 years. I think saw them in Minnesota, Um, I think probably 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 They're incredible band. I mean, sadly the drummer just passed away, Mm. um, which is really, really sad, but, uh, you know, that band is incredibly successful to me and I think to them too, like, um, And you know, no matter, they're the biggest they've ever been uh, right now. And last year, they put out their most successful records. They sold the most tickets. Um, and I mean, I love them as much last year as I did 28 years ago. <laughs> um, being able to work with them is, uh, 
I guess my definition of success, you know, and they're amazing. Like mm. I feel mm -hmm. very, uh, very fortunate that I get to work with people like that. So cool. Tom Windish, thank you so much. That was great. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Today's episode was edited by Maxton Hunter, theme music by Brassroots District, and produced by all the great people at Ari's Take. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com